Tuesday the 30th of January. January's nearly through. We nearly did it, folks. I've been doing dry January, so I'm excited for that to end. Not that I can really afford to be drinking anyway, but uh, I do have a bottle of airport gin in the house that... More than anything, has just become a bit of a burden, so it needs to get drunk. Yesterday, I got called. Well, a guy, a friend at work, said that I had an American accent, and uh, those those of uh, you that spoke to me in person, I've actually mentioned that quite a few times that. People say I have an American accent when actually I don't. But he's so lovely that uh, I uh, it was fine. But <laughs> it's more like when people insist that I do. They don't say that. Oh, it sound to me it sounds like that. They just say no. You do. You have one. Yeah. Um, but Piotr, shout out if you're listening. Hi. Don't worry. I've uh <laughs> And then someone else asked me if I was Australian. Anyway, American accent thing. For some reason just as I was coming out the house there, I was thinking about that. And it reminded me of <laughs> Well, when we were kids, right? We being my brother and my two stepbrothers, Callum and Chris. Shout out Callum and Chris, if you're listening. We used to make films. Callum was kind of the director. He was the oldest. He had the video camera and knew how to work it and stuff. And Basically, we just used to... What did we do? We didn't really... It was like there wasn't really a plan of like what the film was. We just sort of did it. We go, we film a bit, and then the next bit would be, we just decide what it was. Like, okay, maybe, maybe next this could happen, and then we'd film that bit. And it was on the camera with the mini, the mini tapes, the DV tapes. So you just film a bit, and then pause, and then film the next bit. So you do it all in order. So obviously the cuts were. Depending on how good you were at pressing stop at the right time. Sometimes the cuts were a bit strange. Anyway, it might have been a film... This is going on a bit, sorry, but... <laughs> hopefully it's worth it. <laughs> if I... I don't know. Having think of the, the bit that I meant to say... Anyway, maybe it's not worth it. It might not have been a film I was involved in, but we were definitely watching it. And Callum, he always seemed to play like the heroes. And also, they were often zombie films. 
So we they'd all always be about zombies, and uh, Callum was usually the kind of badass character. <laughs> uh, and I just remember there was one time when <laughs> he his character came in, and it kind of slowly panned up to his head, and he just said, "Name's John, American." <laughs> That was it, that was all I wanted to say. That was stuck in my head this morning, the name's Jan, American. I think what was funny about that is that it's, is that the first thing you'd say like in a, in a zombie situation, like where you're from? But I think to us, like being American was cool. That was like a, that's a cr credential. So, <laughs> I don't really know. And, and I guess it was like all these badass characters were American in films, you know. Uh, and John, name's John. <laughs> name's John, American. <laughs> it's an iconic line. It's an iconic line. Uh, <laughs> anyway Also remember we made a film That was loosely based on uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire And we were playing Games that were Meant to be the Triwizard Cup But it was like a different Year you know So there was different challenges And uh, I got hit in the face with a football And started crying and that got captured on film. This one goes out to everyone who has ever been hit in the face with a football and started crying. I'm sure it's happened to everyone. In fact, if that's not happened to you, then I would like to hear from you. Maybe we could set up an interview. Because I think that's kind of uh, unique, anyway. It's like almost, I don't think I've ever been hit like in like the shoulder with a football, do you know what I mean? It's always, it's always either like in the side of the head or on the face and it feels like your head or your face is like some sort of ball magnet. Uh, this is going quite well this morning. Don't know why, I didn't really get that much a good sleep, but I'm up earlier than I usually am. Maybe that's the key. It's also a bit warmer, so maybe I'm just not as uh, annoyed as I usually am when I get up. And it's dark and uh, minus 16. And I have to go and get the bus. Alright. I'll speak to you later. Hope you're all having a nice day. Hello, I'm here with... Do you want to introduce yourself? My name is Tissa, Tissa Lulukainer. And uh, I know you from Kiel. 
From Kyo. I was an exchange student in the fall semester. From where? From Denmark. Oh. It's okay, we'll just talk close. We'll just talk very close. Um, from Denmark, from Bonholm, this teeny tiny island right out, outside of Sweden, actually. It's like a tiny little island with uh, how many people? I actually don't know how many now. citizens that are there. But um, I think there's around like 45. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like when you go to a road, you know, like you go Sorry, across the, the road. It's like an empty road with no cars. And then as soon as you want to cross it, all the cars come. That's what it's like now. That's when you stay waiting. It was stay quiet. Put. And now we want to record there's lots of noises. All right. So you're from Bunholm. Yeah, not from I there, mean, I'm from I'm from Copenhagen, but I study on Bonholm, normally. And you came to Oslo. Came to Oslo for a semester, worked on this course, building large scale sculptures. Oh, yeah, and we're looking at course. Well, did you just make the one? I just made the one. I just say just made the one, but it's, just the. There's no no mean feat to make the one. Tell describe what we're looking at here. We have to say that it's a remix, first of all. Oh, I'm, a, it's, it's, I'm a ceramic artist. Um, I forgot to mention. That's all good. Uh, no, we're looking at a sculpture that's around like 175 centimeters tall and around like 121 uh, wide in the widest point. Um, it's a sculpture that has a lot of glaze and a lot of effect on it. It has this very turquoise blue. I said it was like a sea foam Sea Color, foam. Right? Yeah. And it has a lot of different textures. So it's like, uh, it's kind of growing up from a base that almost has this, like, uh, sea star. Is that what it's called? Like a, like a starfish. Starfish. Yeah, sea star. Sea yeah. star. That's directly translated. But a starfish shape in the bottom, in a way, with very organic form language shapes, in a way. And then it uh, expands into five individual forms. Like kind of uh, big wonky pillars. That too, definitely. <laughs> Maybe that's a bad that way to describe. No, I think, I think that's quite good. It has this kind of almost body-like shape to it, in a way. Um, it's organic shape. It's kind of organic feeling, isn't it? It is indeed, it is indeed. And uh, you can definitely tell on the sculpture that it's been fired to 1,100 degrees. So it has gotten what we call pyroplastic, which means that when the clay reaches such a high temperature, it becomes very soft again. And oh. therefore, it can feel the weight of its own like body of the clay. So it changes the, it changes the shape a little bit once it's fired. What, so it kind of sags? Yeah, a little bit. But in oh, a way that realize. we made it more like narrow in the beginning. And then in the firing, it kind of like, boof, like fell down a little bit, uh, uh, which gives us this very like round, open. I thought it looked different. Yeah? Yeah. I, I you was could like, tell there was a difference? Yeah, yeah. But I just, uh, it'd been a while since I'd seen it because mm. I saw it when it was, before it went in the kiln. And yeah, right enough, because you had to stand on a, like a ladder to get up to the top. Yeah. But maybe you could reach that now. Yeah, definitely. Yes, yeah, so it sagged it quite was, a lot. Yeah, it was two meters in the beginning. So 200 centimeters. And what's that called? Pyro- Pyroplastic. Pyro- Pyroplastic. Pyroplastic. I'm pretty sure that's the English term at least as well. And uh, was there, what was the thinking? Because this is a collaboration, right? You made yeah. this along with... Uh, 
with Anna Milby, um, who studies at Kio. She's on her third year of her bachelor's degree. Um, and we did it in a collaboration, as you say. And it kind of, um, initially when we were talking about like, okay, what to build, uh, it has to be mentioned that I'm more of a, like a sculptural, large, medium, large scale builder normally. So I'm quite used to working with a lot of material and a lot of um, weights and also a lot of like working up in heights wise, uh, working with this like coiling technique. Um, and Anna is more doing reliefs, which are more figurative oriented. Or um, like flat. A bit more flat objects of some sort. Um, so the meeting point between us was like she liked this symbolism kind of standpoint. So we talked about like she started to make these stars and kind of like more simple oriented, where I'm more organic and very far away from something that you can like directly recognize as being something else. Um, so we talked about kind of like our collaboration with her like star as a starting point and my wanting to go upwards and more <laughs> forest organic weirdness. Um, and then Anna said something about portal. What do you think about the word portals, she said. And we started to have a discussion about what portal is. And I said that for me, a portal is a bit too individualistic. This feeling of like it's a transformation that only you can go through in a way. So it becomes an individual um, kind of task that you do when you go from one side to another. So I wanted to, to take and embrace this portal feeling of like actually changing or developing or evolving through something. But I wanted to make it um, more like collective. Yeah, shared, a shared experience. Exactly. So that it wouldn't be so lonesome. Like a know. shared transformation. Exactly, exactly. Mm. So more like the, and I think with the place that I am in life right now, it's like I need to hold on to both like the collective grief with what's going on in the world and the collective awareness and just being able to lean on like my community and my people. Um, so I think it made so much sense like uh, emotionally in a way as well to um, to make something that kind of appreciates the collectiveness in a piece. Yeah. So I think that's uh, very much what I narrowed, at least for me. I think it would be different as well if Anna were to talk about it because we come from so different uh, universes in a way when we talk mm. about sculptures. Um, and w when you were actually making it, you know, how much did you speak about this? Because when I walked past you making it, hmm. it maybe seemed to me that you were kind of working in silence almost you know or without without yeah. talking so much so how did that work i think it's like when you think when i think about my process in general it's like there's a lot of thoughts in the beginning and there's a lot of uh, figuring out to do and making stitches and kind of especially when you go this big you really have to have a good plan for it <laughs> so it was more about like developing a plant plan sorry and developing a method of working and then from there on, it was like, okay, now we know what to do. It's just about doing it. So then it was mm. just hours and hours and hours of working. And at some point, you reach a time where you just don't speak that much anymore. You're just <laughs> focused on surviving through the next, like, five hours of working. Because yeah. <laughs> you're working with so much material and you're standing on ladders and standing on, like, uh, scaffolding systems because yeah. you reach that high. So it just becomes very heavy on the body. Like, it's super physically, physically draining. Um, so I think there's a lot of like alongside this physical like tiredness 
you also reach a point eternally where like emotionally you're also like a bit unavailable to to really talk with the sculpture so you have to like get that rest to in order to be able to even understand like what is it that you're doing like mm. to be aware of the form or like the life that you're actually bringing into this piece um Yeah, so I think it was more of like talking before, working, and now like talking and reflecting and like, yeah. Of course, during the process of building, there's of course a lot of like reflection and action. Like you you do something, you step a little back and re- try to reflect on it. And then the next day you can either like go back a little bit, take some clay off, or you can re rework and continue. So it's it's a lot of this like reflection and action, I would say, in the process. Um And now it's just surreal to fucking see it like this. Sorry, can I swear on this? Fucking? Yeah, you can swear. Um, it's surreal to see it like this. I mean, it's and it's almost my size now. Like it's become a baby because it shrinks as well. The clay shrinks or like uh, around 15 percent. So it's definitely a bit smaller than what we started out with. It's yeah. I mean, it's quite the quite the object. And and do you know what's going to happen to it now? Well, we're in the process of kind of... We've been taking some product photography of product photos today. And uh, we're going to ma- write some applications to see if we can get some funding. Because it's... Uh, I think it's around like 170 kilos. Um, <laughs> and it's right now in Oslo, which is good because it's, it's close to the ocean. Um, what? So you mean so you can ship it? So we can ship it somewhere. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But we'll we'll I, we'll not, see. I thought you meant like so, so we can just you, dump it in there. Yeah, if you don't get the money, you can just throw it in the sea. Yeah, it's fine. Well, or we could build like a what's that called? Like the palais they floats on floats on water. Like a raft. Yeah, we can build a raft and then just like put it to sea. Yeah, just just uh, send it away. It's gonna be shut down to at some it, point. Somebody's to gonna <laughs> have suspicions that it contains something. <laughs> Uh, it's yeah. it's kind of like a bit menacing. I kind of feel like the shape is almost a bit menacing and scary, but then there's got this kind of relaxing color. You think the color is relaxing? Well, I don't know. It's That's kind fun. of like straddles yeah. between like toxic and kind of yeah relaxing maybe but I think that's like as well what nature and like our world brings. It's like you can find the calmness if you really look for it and the same thing if you go out to the forest it's like it's amazing and super calm and then you find a mushroom that's just fucking bright orange that's eerie that's super eerie but I mean I think that's like or at least that's what I try to convey with it that uh. it's like can be a part of nature and have this kind of the, the sites that are a bit ugly a bit like swampy or like this is very slimy mm. in a way as well it makes me think of these uh, like Lime caves, you know, like stalactites yeah, and like things, and uh, these like horrible, like drippy. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's beautiful. You think they're horrible? Well, it's uh, it kind of like looks looks like it might feel gross. Yeah. If you touch it, it's like slimy. It's like this thing when you when you can look at something like any object in the world, and then you think about licking it, and you can feel how it feels <laughs> on your tongue, and like that kind of thing doesn't feel good on the tongue. I get what you mean. <laughs> Uh, yeah. If you would put your tongue on this object, I feel like it probably wouldn't taste like anything, but it would be like cold and glassy with this like... Ugh, there would be so many structure that, structures that would just annoy your tongue, I think. It, you would maybe get a cut. Nah. No? Ah, you, 
Why would you get a cut? I don't, I don't think know. so. I don't know how glaze works. I don't know how. Is there sharp bits? No, there's not really sharp bits. I mean, it's pretty... Um, it's well melted out, the glaze. Ah. Uh, so it uh, should, be, should be safe. Wow. Has it, got, like a turn. has it got a name? No, it actually hasn't. I think I, I think I called it something like on Instagram for a little, little while. Because, mm. you know, it's hard to, to work with something and be alone-sided for such a long time without actually accepting the fact that it becomes its own creature. But then you also have the responsibility of naming that creature. And how do you do that? I, I believe we said something. No? Yeah, not really. But I think it's like, it's something with multi-portal. And we were talking, oh yeah, we were talking about Nexus for some time. What does and that mean? Nexus is, uh, I think it comes from Latin actually, but it's a word that means this like force in a way. Um, in Danish it's called knudepunt. It's like a meeting point. Um, where everything kind of can come together, but it can also collide in that meeting point, specifically. Um, almost like a, like a more natural, of course magnetism is natural, but like a magnetic field that's more like emotionally bound or something like this. Maybe uh, cultural okay. too, it can be like it's, but more of this like, yeah, center, center point, meeting point, nexus. So maybe it's going to be called nexus, I don't know. And do you think, uh, you, I'm kind of hearing you saying a lot about change and kind of like sharing experiences and things. And mm. is that, uh, how did you find the last semester? When I did a semester abroad at uni, it was like crazy. I learned so much. Yeah. And now this is, you're away tomorrow back to Bunholm. So yes. how do you feel like what you've learned and, and how has it been? I mean, it's been really, really good. I think I've been overwhelmingly happy and overwhelmingly inspired. Um, in my university, there's not a lot of time to just work on like what we call your autonomous practice or like autonomous craft. Um, it's been more focused around making school assignments. Um, so for me to be here at Kiyo, where we actually didn't have anything specifically to do, of course, I could sign up for this course and then I had to participate. Um, but it was not like anybody was in control of the works that I wanted to do. So I felt like this free space gave me so much inspiration, uh, which makes it a little bit difficult to to leave, to go back to something else. Um, but I mean, there's fruitful and learningful things and everything but just the people here and the school in general is like right next to where I've been working there's a huge metal workshop and you have people coming through with metal sculptures and just seeing that while you work it's like it brings more reflections instead of just being alongside ceramicists you get some other perspectives too when people stop mm. up and want to talk to you and you can yeah, like the meeting between materials, I think it's super interesting. And I think that that's the thing that I can take and use the most in my practice. Is like not be, a, be scared of introducing other, other materials to your practice. Um, yeah. And in general, like as you say, this like, it is of course like a small transformation every time you go somewhere. I feel like at least that you, you go through something internally uh, based off of like your external factors, um, and I think I've been very lucky to have people around me that's been super supportive and open-minded to 
yeah, to like sharing that, ex- that experience. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I love Keo. Can we just? You love <laughs> Keo's amazing. <laughs> no. It's cool. It's been there's very a nice. good. There's a good bunch here. Yeah. I think there's also there's a lot of international people that kind of uh, are in the same boat. Mm. So like, yeah. I mean, everyone knows what it's like to kind of be somewhere that you don't know anyone or it's new to you, you know, yeah, and yeah. also the kind of implications of that. Mm. But also just the difference in like if you're Scandinavian, I mean, our, like the whole ceramic department is Scandinavian. Um, so, of course, all all the like teaching and guidance I got was in Swedish or Norwegian, right? Mm. Like nobody really spoke Danish. There's a one uh, tutor who speaks Danish, but otherwise, it's like you need to adapt as well to to these languages. But it's it's Scandinavian, so you understand people. Where I could see if you come as a as a foreigner student from another country where you don't have like as easy or natural um, understanding of those Scandinavian languages, it can definitely become more difficult. Um, and I can see in myself that I also uh, like lean more towards speaking to the international students because you know that you have this language, English, that everybody can share. And mm. it becomes easy to kind of develop uh, yeah, like your, your language when you talk about art. And I think that that's the most important thing in, a, in an art academy is that we, like I see it so much as a language school as well. Of course, it's about being practical like working practically with the material with what I'm doing but it's also learning how to talk about it and yeah being able to talk to international students where you share a language it uh, it I feel like my language can evolve a lot from that at least yeah that's such a good point I mean yeah that's the, that's some of the things that I think sometimes it's like uh, also to just like I love speaking to all you ceramics guys because hey. I'm not like I don't do ceramics. No. So I thought that was really nice because I don't. It's not like I'm spending time in mm. ceramic studios all the time, you know. And like, what do you feel I like you can gain from know. it then? Well, just um, I don't know. It's just cool to see like how other people's how other people work and like a different perspective and your like priorities when you're making something or your like. Point, perspective, point of view when you're making mm. something or what you're trying to express or explore yeah. is totally different to what I'm doing. Mm. I'm not really working like materially physically. Like product oriented. I'm more like thinking about contexts and <laughs> audiences and things like that and um, performance. Mm. But I mean that's, that's definitely a a meeting point and I think that that's why a school that is big enough to have 600 students is a beautiful place because you get to meet people like the meeting between us and being able to because the knowledge that you gain as well with public spaces for instance like Mm. now with working with the large scale sculpture it's definitely relevant to think in those those areas as well the thing about yeah but it's also it's like cool to see because I saw the whole process of you making this sculpture, so it's kind of cool to see like what that, 
see what that feels like for yeah. you to make that yeah. you know at the start you're like yeah. oh it's gonna be so big I don't really know how it's gonna work or mm, mm. at the end where you're like oh it might crack and stuff and yeah, like I all think, the worries and frustrations yeah like sometimes you see these big things and it's like you know they're kind of finished and you're like oh wow you know that was that's yeah. that worked you know yeah. but the whole time yeah there is this sense of uncertainty or like mm, you're, mm. you're also trying things out and things and and Definitely. then at the end, you, you have the solid object. But, yeah. uh, but so that's that, super relevant, what you say, because I think that that's like this transparency as well with the process behind the piece is super relevant. And it's like if you could go outside and we can go to museums and galleries and we can see this, these final pieces, but it might have taken them 10 times to even make that piece without mm. it collapsing. Or like it has to take several years of it, like experience and... Yeah, and then not many people get to see that, no, that see part, that other side that of process. It. So mm. I think that's why it's so cool to to see that because yeah. it's like only happens once, mm, and it's very really performative. Per, this yeah. process as well. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. And uh, thanks for uh, allowing me to to kind of like look in as you're making it probably quite annoying sometimes maybe but no i appreciate it i appreciate it always go with some company <laughs> definitely yeah <laughs> no it's nice it's nice i think i would like to be more inviting in general uh, i've been before building pieces where i try to invite the audience or observer or whatever more into the process of the making um, and it's also something that's very like incarnated in the whole craft tradition when we talk about ceramics. It's this like uh, small, small details of pieces that kind of reveals the process. Is talked about a lot when you talk about ceramics and traditional ceramics. Um, and not having something that is beautifully beautiful, but also can be like beautiful in an ugly way or can show some part of the process. And like we have uh-huh. cracks and we have these things and it can only be like stretch marks that makes the body be- more beautiful or like these kind of things and you get a attachment to it or like yeah do you know what I mean I know what you mean yeah it's uh, and I always think yeah like maybe having doing the actual making yourself kind of gives you more of an appreciation for mm. different kinds of of beauty maybe yeah or lets you notice it more in other places or Mm. I don't know. I kind of find that like when I was doing work, I used to work doing kitchens, right? Yeah. Still in kitchens, and then you'd go around to someone's house and you'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's nice, nice job there," or "Oh, that's not so nice." It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. the actual making of it then allows you to kind of see yeah. things, you know, or like actually you notice s- in another way. Yeah, yeah, you start yeah. to see things that you didn't know were there before. Mm. But you can also get a little bit damaged by it, I think. Yeah. And I, then you, I had it especially when I used to work as a manager in a restaurant. It's like then every time I would go out to eat, I would just look for mistakes. I would pick the restaurant apart, and I wouldn't be able to enjoy my food because I was just thinking about what this one waiter did, and I felt like it was so damaging for the whole experience. And I think that's the same thing. It can be a little bit with materials. It's like sometimes you can also be so focused on making everything correctly or like knowing your craft completely where you actually don't allow the materials to make the fuck-ups that it should as, some, as well sometimes. Because mm. you become too specific on it having to be very, very <laughs> well-made or whatever it can be, like with the kitchen. Mm. Yeah. 
I think it can be a damage a little bit sometimes. Okay. Yeah. If that makes sense. I don't no, know. That makes sense, sense, yeah. I've got what's our man's wanting to say hi. Victor, hello. Hi. Victor. Hi. Uh two years old. Okay. Yeah, that's him in morning. Yeah. Yes, Maya and Anna. Ja, det er rigtigt. Det er så dejligt at være færdig. Ja. Men øhm... Lige også noget projekt nu. Ja, fy faren. Fy faren, som man siger på nogens. Do you want to offer a comment? A comment for the podcast. I'm just doing a bit recording for a podcast. Is that... Okay. Do you want, you want to say, uh, give a give what, a first impression? Looks great. I don't, looks have, great. A, I don't have any uh, pro- anything profound to say. Fair enough. All right, closing comments, Tessa. <laughs> closing comments. Um, what do I say? Thank you for letting me be on the podcast. Oh, that's that's not that's not a not closing a problem comment. at all. No, that's not a problem. <laughs> that's easy to do that. Uh, yeah. What well, do you want thanks to say? for wish me luck for for finding a place to keep this space, this creature of a sculpture. Yeah, I wish you luck. It's kind of uh it <laughs> it's a bit uh of a complicated one to store, right? Yeah. Hopefully it all goes smoothly and it doesn't I mean it would be break. beautiful in a big library, think about it. Like a big old library with like yeah. white walls but like dark wood. Yeah. I think that would be nice. Yeah. If there's any libraries listening, yeah, please reach out. My Instagram is at uh, tessalolo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Tessa. Oh. All the best for hey, your bun home you, life. Man. And uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll stay in touch. Speak later. walking home now through the woods and that was so nice speaking to Tessa I think that was I spoke to her about little things you know we'd had conversations that where she said little parts of that but it was so nice to hear her go in depth and I think that's kind of the strange thing is I always looked at it as almost a negative thing before is when you turn on the microphone people act differently they maybe say things that or or things that they would normally say they they don't say they act differently a bit more shy or something or but actually I think that was an example of where it went the other way around. And we end up having a conversation that we wouldn't normally have. Because it felt more serious or it felt like we were both dedicating the time to it properly, which was really lovely. And I think she said things that she wouldn't have... I mean, maybe she would, she can get in touch and tell me I'm wrong but she maybe went a bit deeper than she would have if we were just talking in the corridor which was really lovely and 
I think all these things she was saying about changing and changing together and sort of shared experiences and 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 fluidity and things like that it was I was trying to not draw that parallel while we were talking because I sometimes when you listen back to things it's kind of just obvious and maybe I shouldn't have even said that but yeah I think it's kind of it's nice to have been able to spend last semester getting to know her and she's a good egg as we'd say uh check out her stuff on instagram although i don't think she's got that much stuff on there but uh and also um Anna's stuff so i'll put a link down below to their instagrams and things um yeah, that's basically it for today. <laughs> I'm going to do these in a batch because this week is quite crazy. I'm moving flat and I'm not really looking forward to the process of that. Moving flat is, as I'm sure we all know, quite a pain in the bum. Uh, so... Thanks for listening. Thanks to Tessa once again. All the best back in uh, Denmark. I believe she's got an exhibition in Copenhagen this opening this Friday. Couldn't tell you any details for that. Maybe I'll put them down below as well. All right. Well, I'll love you and leave you. Speak to you tomorrow. Bye.